It's in our deepest pain. Sometimes when we hear God the clearest, it's when we're going through trials. It's when we're going through challenges. Because here's, here's the way, unfortunately, most of us are wired. Here's how it is. When we're on the mountaintop, we're not so much thinking about Him. Right? But it's when we're in the valleys and when we're going through the challenging times and when we're going through struggles and different things like that is that we realize how much we need him. And sometimes it's not in the loud things. It's not in the great booming voice from heaven. Sometimes it's just a whisper of God's voice. It's a sense of God's presence, and it's in the middle of the challenges that we face. And so today's message is about that. Today's message about asking for a friend is, God, do you care? God, do you care? If you've got your Bibles, lift them up. Wes, thank you. Let's give Wes a hand for sharing that. If you want to bring that up here. Thank you. Thank you. You know, sometimes um, I think of the things that we go through and I think of the challenges that we face in life. It's good to see you guys. And it's in those moments that we feel his presence. And it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys sound great this morning. Uh, I've really enjoyed, yes, thank you, baby. I appreciate that. Um, 
I've really enjoyed this series, Asking for a Friend, because what the whole series is about is asking God the hard questions. And I saved this message kind of for last because today is a big one. Today is a big one. And, and the question that we're really asking to, today, or the statement really is this, it's on your notes, it's on the screen. I want to believe in God, but sometimes I don't think he cares. I want to believe in God, but sometimes I don't think he cares. Or he's not listening, or something. And I think that's a question that many of us have. And here's the truth, probably some of you in this room right now, you want to believe you want to believe that God's real. You, you've been to church, you've been to study, you've done all these other things in your life, and, and you want to believe, but because of the situation that you are facing or someone you love is facing or a challenge that's going on in your life, you're having a hard time justifying that God is all-powerful and that he cares. Can I tell you that's okay? And can I tell you this too? It's kind of what I was praying over here and praying first service, is that this message is for you. I want you to think about that. If I just made the statement that you're questioning whether God cares or that God's real, how can a God, in other words, how can a God who created the, the universe, how can a God of love allow bad things to happen? How can that be? And the truth is we have all asked that question before, but, but I'm going to promise you something as we get started this morning. Are you ready? Here's my first promise, Rob. Here's the first one. I don't know the answer to all that. You're welcome, okay? You're going, that's not why I'm here, Pastor, but here's what I can tell you. I know the one who does. And this morning what I'm going to do is point you to him and, and lead you to the place where you and Jesus can have a hard conversation. And I want to say this to you this morning. Please, y'all, hear, hear the heart of God for you. God can handle your hard questions. He is not scared of your hard questions. He's bigger than that. God, the kingdom of heaven is not going to fall apart because you have a question. Okay, so it's okay to ask why. It's okay. It, it's, it's okay. We are human. God, why did this happen? Why did this go on? You know, I can tell you in, in this message, I'm going to be honest with you, I struggle with it a little bit. Because in our own family, I know, I know, and it's just the way it works. Uh, you guys, many of you sitting out there are looking at, at me and our family and you're going, you guys don't really have a lot of problems because you're a pastor and pastors have this charmed life and everything's great for you all the time, right? Some of you think that, though. You're like, well, you're special, you know, and I'm special but not how you think, okay? I mean, here, here's the thing. It's just not true. I'm not saying I don't have an amazing relationship with God, but I have an amazing, amazing relationship with God that has nothing to do with me being a pastor. I love God and he loves me and I get that. Okay, and my relationship with him is built on that. It's a relationship. Pastoring is just what he's called me to do. But sometimes we go through hard stuff. Many of you, some of you don't know, but many of you know Kennedy, our youngest daughter, was born with a handicap. And I can remember when we were in the hospital uh, or in the nurse's uh, doctor's office before and they put the grape jelly all over Trisha's belly. I'm assuming that's what it was. And they run that sonogram all over there. And I remember the day like it was yesterday where we're in there, and they're running the deal, and the nurse goes, huh, you know, and then keeps going and keeps going and leaves the room and then comes back and does it again, and she goes, um, now I'm not saying this is what's going on, but either her fist is clenched or there's not a right hand. And, and I remember thinking, well, that's not right. And so what do we do? We're pastors. 
we're going to pray, man. We're going to pray, and we pray and pray and pray. And I remember the prayer, the moment that Kennedy was born, and, and there she came, and there was, there was no hand. There was the wrist, or the wrist, and, and I remember the emotion, all that, and I remember trying to be strong, and I knew that Trish was just, you know, obviously, it's the mom, and, you know, so I got to be all tough, and, and I remember walking out in the hall and getting away from everybody, and walking out in the hall alone for a moment trying to gather myself because I'm a godly man, I'm a pastor. Be all, I was devastated. I was absolutely devastated. And I remember a friend of mine that was a pastor at church we were attending at the time, and he walked up to me, and he looked at me, he goes, you know, I'm expecting some, we're going to be all pastoral. He goes, this stinks, man. And I lost it. Just lost it. See, sometimes you wonder if God cares. Sometimes you wonder if, if Jesus can raise people from the dead, where was he when this relationship was falling apart? Where was he when I got fired from my job? Where was Jesus? Where were you, Jesus? And I think today, this is a question we have to, we have to answer. We have to answer because it's important. Because even if you're not that person today, maybe you know somebody that is that person that needs to hear this. And can I tell you, God is good. Can I tell you, he's got this, whatever it is you're facing. And, and we're going we're gonna to go through this today, and we're going to get through this. Let's talk about some people in the Bible. David, King David, a man after God's own heart. Over and over again in the, in the Bible, we see David crying out to God, God, where are you? God, where, God, where are you? People are throwing sticks at me, and three, you know, people are trying to kill me. And, and he's a man after God's own heart. He's crowned king. Seven, ten years later, he's still running for his life. And he's going, hey, God, this is not what I thought. Now, listen, how many of you have been going to church here more than, like, three months? Anybody? Most of me? I am the king of sunshine and rainbows, okay? I'm that guy. I'm that pastor guy. I lo- I'm all about God's goodness and God's faithfulness. I'm wired that way. That's just the way I am. I wake up in the morning, woo let's go, right? I- I'm that way. God made me that way. That's why many of you are tired in this church, because God made me. It's like, let's go. Let's go, right? That's who I am. But, but there are depths of pain that I've experienced in my life that you would be shocked. That I've had to learn to come to grips with. That Trisha's had to learn to come to grips with in our life. And, and I'm just going to state a fact right now. Everybody look down your row, row real quick. Everybody look down your row. Chances are there are some people in your row that have experienced abuse, neglect, rejection. Significant pain. How many of you have ever been hurt? Can I see your hand? Okay. Has anybody ever in this room not been hurt? There's an infant, and she's not here. That's the only one qualified, right? Because the reality is life has a way of beating you up, doesn't it? Life has a way of doing that. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. I guarantee you stuff's going to happen, Jesus said. But then he said, be of good cheer. Because I've overcome the world. And so what I want us to do today is really find a way to reconcile some of these things. Not because I'm scared God can't answer your question, but because I know he wants to. I know he wants to. Amen? So are you guys ready to jump into this? Here we go. Here's the big thought today. 
If you don't think God is fair, sometimes you're not alone. (laughs) If you don't think sometimes that God is fair, then you're not alone. That's, that's a thought that happens throughout the Bible. Job, the, in the book of Job, we see Job, the devil's trying to get to Job, and God says, hey, you, you just can't kill him. And, and Job goes through this horrific testing time in his life where he loses almost everything. And I know we just finished a marriage conference, but he kind of looks over at his wife, and they've had this, this one devastating thing after another, another devastating thing. He looks over at his wife, and he says, well, you know, what do you think? And she goes, I think you just need to curse God and die. You didn't hear that in our marriage conference, did you? You know, that's, that's not good spousal advice. But that's literally where she were. And don't you love the fact that your Bible doesn't pull any punches? It didn't just, oh, everything's going to be all right all the time, you know. It's like, no, sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes you're going to go through some stuff. That's what's going to happen. But can I just tell you right now, if you don't think God is fair, you're you're not alone. Look at number one on your notes. God has a purpose in your pain. God has a purpose in your pain. But can I tell you this? There's joy ahead. There's joy ahead. The Bible tells us that it gets dark at night, but joy comes in the morning. But there's going to be, yeah, you're going to go through some stuff, but there is going to be joy. It, the, the pain, the suffering, the challenges are going to end. And I want to tell you, I don't talk about heaven a whole lot, you know, and not because I don't believe. Obviously, I believe that there's a heaven. But I am so mission-focused on you guys right here in our community. I mean, think about it. I'm always about, what are we going to do? Who are we going to reach? What are we going to do? We've got to reach people, reach people, reach people, reach people. And that's good. That's not bad. But can I tell you? There is a 100% chance that you are either going to die or Jesus is going to come back and you're going to go to heaven. There's a 100% chance. It's going to happen. I can't guarantee you Trump's going to build the wall, but I can guarantee you, right? I mean, it's a 100% chance. And, and there's a 100% chance that if you are a follower of Christ, that you've received Jesus as your Savior, you're going to go to heaven. And that's the worst news I can think of today. The worst thing that can happen to you (laughs) is that you're going to die and go to heaven. That's awesome. The reality is what that's called theologically is the the hope of the believer. It's It's our eternal hope that no matter what happens here, the end result is going to be if you're a follower of Christ, you're a Christ follower, you're going to be with him forever in eternity. He came to die to restore not only our relationships here, but our relationship here. And that is a good promise, guys, and that's the truth. But sometimes while we're here, there's pain. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. It's on the board. It's in your notes. There's a wonderful joy ahead, Peter says, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So here's the thing. The only way, the only way you know how strong something is is if you test it. It's the only way. 
The only way, we've got guys in here in construction. We have people that like to weld. The only way you're going to know something, how good it is to test it. Some of you guys like to bake food. It can look really good, but the, but the test is when you taste it. And so we go through situations in life sometimes, not because God's mad at us, not for any other reason, but he loves us and he goes, look, we need to test this to see what's here. And that means you got to turn the heat up. And, and you know, there's so many people that go through life and, and they don't pass the test because they thought they were okay, but then trials or, or challenges come and they just fall away and it's because there wasn't really any strength there. For those of you that like to exercise, I think there's like two of you here. (laughs) But the only way you grow stronger is increase the resistance. And our faith is the same way, and that's what Peter just said. So some of you that are going through a trial right now, you need to understand that God is using that trial to strengthen your faith. And here's the other reason that you're here today, is he wants you to know it's okay to ask, God, why is this happening? And Peter's saying it's because your faith is being tested Because it needs to be strengthened. But notice what he says here also is it purifies you. And the way that a a precious metal is purified, Rod knows this, the way that metal is purified is you superheat it. And then all the impurities rise to the top. And then after time and time of going through that, when you're done with that trial period, that test period, then you have a pure product. And that's God's plan for our faith. See, the situations that we go through, we need to see them differently. The Bible tells us that we need to count it all joy when you encounter trials. Why? Because your faith's being tested. How many of you were ever excited to take an exam in school? All my nerds, hold your hands up. Come on, can I see them? Some of y'all walked in with your pocket protector and your glasses. I'm so excited today. Let's do the test right now. You know who you are. So you're so embarrassed, you wouldn't even raise your hand. You know who you are. But then there was everybody else like me. (laughs) You know, how many of you liked pop quiz when you didn't know pop quiz was coming? Come on, somebody. When you walk in the classroom, you're like, hey, and teacher goes, okay, everybody sit down on the four chapters you were supposed to read last night. I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. Why? Because what happened is the test revealed what you knew or didn't know. Right? So the test in itself is not the bad thing. The test, listen to me, listen to me, the test is just an instrument. The purpose of the test is to show you what's in here. And so those of you that are going through that right now, you need to recognize that God is using this to prepare you. So can I give you some advice? I didn't give this advice to first service, so somebody in here needs this. Stop resisting the test. Stop. Resisting the test. Because here's the thing. God doesn't promote you until you pass the test. You're not getting past third grade. I don't care if you're 50 years old spiritually. You got to pass the test. Why? Because you're not ready. And so for whoever that is this morning, surrender to God's process. Surrender to God's test for you. I want to tell you a story just real quick. Uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 14, his cousin John, John the Baptist, you probably heard of him. John is the one that anointed Jesus, that baptized Jesus. Uh, when, when Jesus started his ministry, it was kind of the kickoff of all those things. And, and 
Jesus and John were close. Well, Jesus get, or John gets arrested by Herod. Okay, he gets arrested. And, and you can imagine, he's been proclaiming, Jesus is coming, Messiah is coming, Messiah is coming. And he's sitting in jail, and I would suspect that he's going, okay, I'm waiting any minute. Jesus is going to come busting in the door. Angels, it's going to be awesome. We're out of here. Didn't happen. Didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen. To the point, and if you don't, sometimes if you don't watch what you're reading, you'll miss something. To the point where John said, how long is this going to go on? And he grabs a couple of his disciples and said, go find Jesus. And listen to this. He said, ask him if he's the one we, we have been expecting or if there's somebody else. Why did he do that? Because he was hurting. Hey, Jesus, I know that the Lord told me you were the one, and I prayed, and the Holy Spirit descended on you like a dove, and there was a voice from heaven. Yeah, I know all that, but now I'm in pain, and I don't see any relief. Where are you? Come on, somebody. Where are you? Are you the one, or is there somebody else? So get this. There's a birthday party. And Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him, so he promised with a vow to give her anything that she wanted. This is Matthew 14, start with verse 6. At her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. So Herod ordered it. They killed John, Jesus' cousin. They killed him, put his head on a tray and brought it out in front of everybody. John's disciples came later and buried John's body and then they went to tell Jesus what had happened. Now, now listen, for those of you that think those of us in ministry have less challenges than you do, <laughs> listen to this. As soon as Jesus heard the news, verse 13, he left in a boat to, to a remote area to be alone. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God, the co-creator of the universe. He gets news that his cousin John has died. And what does Jesus do? He does what a lot of us do. He withdrew. Ladies, can I help you for, for a quick second? Men, how many of you have a man cave? Come on, fellas. We have a man cave. Men are wired a lot of times when things like this happen, when there's great stress, when there's great challenge in our life. It's not that we don't like you, but we, we withdraw because we just want to be alone and process. And so we build man caves or duck blinds or bass boats or whatever. And it's a way that we try to remove ourselves. It's not that we don't like you. We just don't want to be around you right now. Right? Jesus gets some bad news. This is, we see the human side of Jesus here. So what does he do? He gets in a boat and he says, I just need a break. I need to get away for a little bit. And so they begin to row. But, but look what happens. Well, they begin to go away. But the crowds heard that he was he where he was headed and they followed on foot from many towns. And Jesus saw this huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And he said, can't you people give me a break? Why are y'all always bothering me? Listen to this. 
Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, There's, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that you can go to the village, so they can go to the villages and buy food. But Jesus said, that's not necessary. You feed them. Here's what you may have never put two and two together before. Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus feeds 5, 10, 15,000 people with loaves and fishes in the midst of some of the greatest pain in his life. And maybe you missed that. And so I'm going to give you part of the solution for you today, for some of you that are struggling, for some of you that have been in your cave, for some of you that don't know how to process your pain. Are you ready? Write this down. Serve. Serve. You're like, Pastor, what? You're telling me that I'm going through maybe for some of you the most challenging season of your life and you're sitting here telling me that I need to serve in the midst of my pain? Can I tell you what happens when you do that? If you're, if you're serving in the midst of your pain, look, Jesus saw the crowds and he did what? What happened? He had, Patty, what do you have? Compassion. Jesus got his eyes off what he was feeling himself and he got his eyes on other people. And some of you that are suffering right now, that are facing depression and solitude, some of you right now, what you need to do in the midst of your pain is you need to serve. Because can I tell you what it does? It gets your eyes off you and gets your eyes on Jesus. Pastor, are you telling me I can serve my way out of pain? It's part of the solution. One of the greatest miracles in the Bible occurred in the midst of Jesus' pain. And if you, in your place in life, some of you, speaking a little prophetically right now, some of you have probably been in depression for years, and this is your answer. It's time to lift your head and be the church and allow God to work through you, and your pain is going to leave. And it's not going to be the way you think. It's going to be because you began to serve in the midst of it. Do you understand me? And if Jesus did it, how many of you think maybe it's a good idea we should do too? Do you think? Do you think? I think so. Here's my second point. Only two today. Only two. It's a heavy topic, isn't it? God is present in your pain. God is present in your pain. Psalm 46 verse 1 says this, God is a refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. He is with us. You know, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, at 16 years of age, when I was just starting to read the Bible and really understand it, I loved it where God said, I will never leave you or forsake you. God is an ever-present help in trouble. So how many of you are facing trouble right now? Can I see your hands? When you cry out to him, he's there. He's an ever-present help. He's not going anywhere. In the midst of your trouble, you can reach out to him. 
2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, is there's a, a section of Scripture where Paul talks about, the Apostle Paul talks about that he has a thorn in his flesh. Now, the, the Scripture's not clear exactly what this challenge was that he faced. We don't know if it was a person. We don't know if it was a physical issue. Probably was a physical issue. We don't exactly know what it was. But I want you to think about the Apostle Paul for a minute. The Apostle Paul wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. Most of the books of the New Testament that he wrote, he wrote while he was in prison. He was not on a beach. He was not chilling. He was in the middle of a prison. Paul tells us we, we see numbers of times that he was beaten. He was scourged like Jesus was. He was scourged. He was stoned. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about he was stoned with rocks to the point where they thought he was dead. Paul suffered tremendously. But Paul also saw God do some amazing miracles. Paul saw Jesus heal people and, and all these amazing things happened. And so I want you to imagine for a moment that you're praying for people and God's healing them. There's people that died that Paul prayed for, they came back from the dead. This, I mean, this guy's seeing God move, do you understand? And so he prays, God. Take away the thorn I have in my flesh. He's qualified to pray this prayer. You understand? 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. This is what God said to Paul. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Wow. You know, is God able to heal him? But in this situation, he chose to allow Paul to deal with whatever this thing was. And I don't want to mess with your theology too much. That's not my point. But my point is that Paul prayed. Can I just tell you something, guys? God's smarter than you. Now, I've had the honor, Trish and I both have had the honor to be here almost 11 years. I've walked through some stuff with some of you. I've seen some of you go through hard stuff. I have. And, and I've seen what cancer can do to people and what divorce can do to people and what all the, cha the challenges of life, I've seen what it can do to people. And, and, and I've, I'm so thankful that I've had opportunities to, we've prayed and we've seen God do the miraculous. And I'm so thankful that he does that. But what about the times that it didn't happen the way I thought? Do I still trust him? Is he still good? This is real. Can I tell you something? <laughs> Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. I'm going to read this whole thing. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, I want to tell you just as a, as a church, if we ever get to the place where we have a spiritual arrogance that says we've got this, baby, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. When we get to the spot where we feel like God will call you if we need anything, we're in trouble. 
if in your own life you feel like you're at the place spiritually where you can, God, I've got this, and, I, and I'm going to share a very, very, very personal story with you about this week, Friday, when God reminded me how much I need him and how weak I really am in my flesh. Because, see, God is present in these moments in our pain. God is with us. And, folks, you don't have a pastor that can't empathize. I can't empathize with everything that you do, but isn't it amazing that we have a Savior that, was, that suffered like he did? that was rejected like we've been, that has been abused. He knows what it feels like. He knows. He's been there. But he's overcome. And because he has overcome, we can overcome. We can. Wes, are you in here? Dwight, there you are. Would you come up and just play? Because I want to share this. This is just so cool. I want to ask you, I want to make two statements. I want to make two statements. Here's one statement. Why do bad things happen to good people? You know, why do bad things happen to good people? Let's reverse that a little bit. I want you to think about this. Get outside of your head for a second. Why do good things happen to bad people? How many of you can look and see how God has blessed your life? How many of you drove here this morning? You know you're less than 5% of the world's population. How many of you turned on the light this morning and the power came on? How many of you have indoor plumbing? Let me ask another question. How many of you don't because I'm not coming over? I just want to see your hands. I just want to know who we're dealing with here. God has blessed us so much that sometimes we forget what we need to be thankful for. Sometimes we forget how good we have it. And we forget about his grace and his mercy. And sometimes all we focus on is the pain that we're in. But I want you, I'm begging you to refocus yourself. The challenge that you are facing or your loved one is facing or someone you care about is facing, maybe God is allowing these changes to go on so that he can help them get out of it. He's trying to teach them something. He's trying to teach you something. But he's a good father. He's good. A few weeks ago, one of our board members came up to me and said, listen, I've got a friend, and he's been diagnosed with cancer. And I'd like you to come talk to him just to make sure his heart's right, make sure he's got a relationship with Jesus. He goes to another church, doesn't even go to our church. So I show up, and can I just be honest with you? I'm just not the greatest pastoral visitation guy. It's, it's hard for me. Hospitals, you know, it's, it's, some people just love that. Carrie's just so good at it, but it's hard for me. I struggle with that. So I'm walking into an environment where I'm uncomfortable. So I walk in a couple of months ago, and I ended up talking to this guy. Let's just call him Jerry. And I walk in, and Jerry is a 101st Airborne vet. He is a guy that's a paratrooper. This dude jumped out of airplanes. He's a combat guy. He's a man's man. You walk in, everything's 101st Airborne. So I go sit down, and I talk to Jerry 
and we had a, just a great visit. We talked, and I asked him about his relationship with Christ, and it was really cool. Got to pray with him and talk to him, and so felt really good about that. Well, this week, one of the board members, the same one, came back and said, man, I really think you need to go see Jerry. He's, he's now in the hospital bed, can't move. They're saying it's, it's almost over with for him. So I call his wife, and I'm just going to be honest. I called, and I was thinking, maybe she doesn't need me to come over. I said, hey, do you want me to come over? (laughs) She goes, yeah, would you please? So I pull up in the driveway. (laughs) In my weakness, he's strong. It's not me. Because I got nothing. I'm sitting out in front of the house. I'm like, Lord, I, I don't know what to say. I just, And so I just prayed maybe what some of you need to pray. Lord, just help me. Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do, I need your help. I'm here. So I go up to the door, and she's so sweet. She opens the door up, and I walk inside, and I look across the room. And there's Jerry in this hospital bed. And can I tell you guys something? And I'm not making any of this up. I walked in there and it was like, I couldn't see angels, but you could feel them. I mean, there was such peace. You guys know what I'm talking about. There's such peace. Like with Donnie. It was that feeling. It was that feeling. And you could just tell that God was in there. And she had told me, she goes, He's just kind of in and out. I don't even know if he's going to wake up. So we walk over to the bed. And she goes, Jerry, you have a visitor. And his eyes popped open. And he looked over at me and smiled. So I got up near the bed. And uh, I'm saying, God, what do I say, you know? And God is so good that he's with us in the midst of our pain for him and I knew in those moments this is a big deal and the Holy Spirit just kind of spoke through me I looked at Jerry and I said hey Jerry he looks up at me I said Jerry you have one more jump to make (laughs) you got one more jump come on trooper one more I said, and your mom and your dad and your brother, they're all waiting for you on the other side. You've got one more jump. Guys, his smile, so big. And it was awesome in that moment. And he reached up and grabbed my hand. And here's what he said. I hope I'm ready. I hope I'm ready. And I was able to look at that man right in his eyes and go you're ready and he smiled at me as I turned to walk away because God's awesome I turned around and looked back to him how many do I have any airborne guys in here airborne I turned around I looked at him and I said Jerry Stand up and hook up. 
It's almost time. Stand up. Hook up. And he smiled at me again. Can I tell you something, guys? This is not a game. We're not here to play church. That's not what this, any of this is about. This is real life. But we have a real Savior who really loves us, who really came and died for you, who really rose again, who really wants to walk through life with you, who can help you. It really happened. He's really alive. And you may have questions because you're going through a really hard time. But can I tell you that God is in the midst of that? And he will help you if you'll shift your focus. If you'll shift your focus. Because he's right there. He's right there. The word says that God is near the brokenhearted. So if that's you today, he's near you. He's near you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love that's over us. Lord, I thank you for how you care about us. And Lord, right now, some of our brothers and sisters in this room are going through great pain. They're struggling. Lord, they're questioning. Some of them are even questioning if you're there, if you care. Lord, I pray for those today that this has been a time that you've reached out to them and you've let them know you're here for them, that you love them, that there's a purpose in their challenges. If you're here today, please, nobody looking around. If you're here today and that's you, you're struggling, you're having a hard time right now, just slip your hand up. You're saying, God, where are you? I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? Yeah, I see your hand. Yeah. We got family in here that are hurting. Guys, I want to, right now, let's just take our neighbor's hand, if you don't mind. There's something powerful when we agree as a family. Some of us are hurting. The Bible tells us that if one of us is hurting or struggling, the others are to come around them and lift them up to restore them gently if they're facing sin, but also to help carry them when it gets hard. Because a three-pronged cord is not easily broken. We need each other. And part of the strength of a church is that we help carry each other's burdens. So here's what I want to do right now, a little bit different today. I want you to pray for the person right now on your right-hand side, whoever that is. I want you just to pray for them. Somebody across the aisle, I want you to pray for them. Just take a moment and do that. Lord, help them. Carry their burden, Lord. Help them, Lord. Jesus, I just pray you'd give them strength. Help them, Father. Now I want you to pray for the person on your left-hand side. Lord, help this person. You know what they're going ease their burden carry them restore them Jesus I just thank you for that Lord that you're in the middle of these things 
greater. Your strength, Lord, is made perfect in our weakness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I just tell you, I believe that God's healing some of you guys right now, that you've needed this for a long time. Some of you have needed this. And, and God loves you so much. That's why we're here. He wants you to be okay. He wants you to be okay. He's so good. He loves us so much. He really does. As we get ready to close, I'm about to close and I'm going to pray for you. Actually, we've got another hour because apparently it's 11.05 right now. So um, just relax. We'll order pizza. Awesome. (laughs) Can I ask you something? Do you know you're loved? You are. You're loved. We love you, but God loves you a whole lot. He loves you so much. Um, Andrea and Danny have put the blessing box out at the end of the Family Life Center, the FLC. If you look down on the far end when you leave today, there's a box out there, a blessing box. Yeah. There's only hundreds and thousand-dollar bills in there, though, so that's all. But, but we put this box up to bless folks in our community. If you have questions about that, just get with her. Or you can drop items by. Uh, but Andrea can fill you in on that. She's standing back here. But thank you, guys. And I, I know you would never want me to point you out, but I'm just saying, I think that's awesome. It's just one other way we can minister to people in our community. We are so thankful to pastor you guys. We are honored. It is a, one of the greatest honors of our life. I can just tell you for me, there's, there's Jesus and Trisha and the kids and then you guys for me. That's pretty good. Cool. You're in good company. I mean, some of you are knuckleheads, but some of you are really awesome. But you're, uh, you know who you are. I'm just, but we love you guys, and we just want to see God do amazing things in your life. And I hope you receive what he has for you and allow him to work in your hearts. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. I'm going to pray over you. God, I just thank you for every person in this room. Lord, I just pray right now um, that there's no accident in your kingdom. That we are here today because we needed to hear your word. And Father, I just pray that your special healing would come to those today that are struggling, that you would give peace to them. For those that are going through trial, I pray, Father, that maybe now they would see things differently and understand that it's not that you're far away, you're right there. Lord, help them to learn and surrender to your process. Lord, help us to realize that you are present in our pain. That you are present. And I pray, Father, that we would receive what you have for us. And then, Lord, we go out into the world and share your love with our community that needs your love so much. And we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you at the concert, I hope. Make sure you're there.